Chapter 9 of Stories of Symphonic Music. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Stories of Symphonic Music by Lawrence Gilman. Section 9 Converse. Frederick Shepherd Converse, born in Newton, Massachusetts, January 5, 1877 now living in Westwood, Massachusetts. The Festival of Pan, Romance for Orchestra, Opus 9. This symphonic poem, composed in 1899, is the first of a series of romances suggested to the composer by scenes in Keats' Endymion. What portions of the poem inspired this particular work, Mr. Converse has not avowed. Yet the statement is responsibly made that emphasis is thrown upon the contrast between endymion's melancholy and the joyous pomp of the festival of pan it may not therefore be inapt to quote those portions of keats poem which set forth this situation now while the silent workings of the dawn were busiest into the south same lawn all suddenly with joyful cries there sped a troop of little children garlanded who gathering round the altar seemed to pry earnestly round as wishing to espy some folk of holiday nor had they waited for many moments ere their ears were sated with a faint breath of music which even then filled out its voice and died away again leading the way young damsels danced along bearing the burden of a shepherd's song each having a white wicker overbrimmed with april's tender youngling next well trimmed a crowd of shepherds with as sunburnt looks as may be read of in arcadian books such as sat listening round apollo's pipe with the great deity for earth too ripe let his divinity overflowing die in music through the vales of thessaly then came another crowd of shepherds lifting in due time aloud their share of the ditty after them appeared up followed by a multitude that reared their voices to the clouds a fair-wrought car easily rolling so as scarce to mar the freedom of three steeds of dappled brown who stood therein did seem of great renown among the throng his youth was fully blown showing like gynamede to manhood grown a smile was on his countenance he seemed to common lookers-on like one who dreamed of idleness in groves elysian but there were some who feelingly could scan a lurking trouble in his nether lip and see that oftentimes the reins would slip through his forgotten hands then would they sigh and think of yellow leaves of owlets cry of logs piled solemnly ah well a day why should our young endymion pine away endymion's narrative romance for orchestra opus ten this is the second of mr converse's symphonic poems or romances based upon the scenes of the endymion of keats the first the festival of pan is described in the preceding pages endymion's narrative was composed in nineteen one the following explanation of the purpose of the music was given by the composer at the time of the first performance of the work by the boston symphony orchestra in nineteen three as i have remarked on the title pages of these works they were suggested by certain scenes from the poem i meant by this that there was no desire or attempt to follow the text slavishly and in detail but merely to give a general reflection of its emotional phases as a clue to endymion's narrative i would say that its idea was derived from the scene of the poem 
where endymion oppressed with melancholy feeling and no longer cheered by the simple pleasures of his companions is withdrawn from the festival by peona his anxious sister and led by her to a secluded part of the wood where she strives to find the cause of his despondency and to soothe him with sisterly affection under her influence he reveals the cause of his sorrow he then relates to her what seems to me the spiritual essence of the whole poem the struggle of a mind possessed of an ideal beyond the common view and yet bound by affection and devotion to conditions which confine and stifle its urging internal impulses the piece begins with despondency and indecision the heroes harassed by alluring glimpses of the ideal and soothed by simple affection and love there is a sort of dramatic growth of the various elements until finally the ideal comes victorious out of the struggle and the ungovernable impulses rush exultantly on with the mad joy of determination footnote the scene which served mr converse too long for quotation here occurs in book one of keats's poem beginning yet hourly he had striven to hide the cankering venom that had riven his fainting recollections and continuing to the end of book one end footnote night and day two poems for pianoforte and orchestra opus eleven footnote the piano is here as the composer has pointed out treated not as a solo instrument but as an integral although very important part of the orchestral scheme and whatever technically important moments it may have grow naturally out of the emotional contents and not from the desire for a display of virtuosity in footnote these tone poems composed in nineteen four derive their inspiration from lines by walt whitman which serve as mottoes for the music for the first of the two night he has chosen this line from a clear midnight in the section from noon to starry night this is thy hour o soul thy free flight into the wordless this wrote mr converse to the compiler of the boston symphony program books at the time of the first performance of the two poems expresses quite completely the mood which i have tried to create in my music of day whitman says day flow blown and splendid day of the immense sun action ambition laughter as far as it goes this describes my second poem very well but the real essence is lacking although it was the best and most fitting quotation i could find for a motto the moods of action ambition laughter and of love too for the erotic impulses suggested in the poem are all there but strung upon an incident to the one predominant and insistent theme of the struggle of life this restless stirring eternal energy is the main strain of the poem and the other emotional phases are eddies momentarily emerging from it but always being absorbed again in it until at the end the tragedy of it becomes apparent and dominant this is what i have tried to express he also points out that the titles are only symbolical that he has no intention of expressing the physical characteristics of night and day his purpose was to suggest their psychological meaning to put into music the moods suggested by them concert overture euphrosyne opus fifteen footnote euphrosyne from a greek word signifying the personification of joy one of the three graces of hellenic mythology the graces were originally regarded as goddesses of heavenly light and were supposed to bring fertility to the fields and delight to men 
Later, they were conceived as goddesses of joy and beauty, and were associated with Hera, goddess of marriage, and with Aphrodite. Their parentage was attributed to Zeus and Euronome. End footnote. This overture, composed in 1903, is prefaced in the score with these lines from Milton's La Labre. But come thou goddess, fair and free, in heaven eclip Euphrosyne, and by men heart-easing mirth. It has no other program. Fantasy, the Mystic Trumpeter, Opus 19. This work was composed in 1903-4. The poem by Whitman, which has served the composer as his poetic point of departure, is contained in the section of Leaves of Grass called From Noon to Starry Night. The music is intended as an expression of the emotional and poetic substance of the poem. I wished, the composer has said, to use the elemental phases of the poem, mystery and peace, love, war, or struggle, humiliation, and finally joy. So I divided the poem into five parts, and my music follows this division. Each section is introduced, or rather tied to the preceding one, by characteristic phrases for trumpet. For each of these five connected divisions, into which the music naturally falls, some dominant thought of the poet may be held to suggest the keynote. As in Whitman's strange phantasmagoria, there is set before us the spectacle of the human soul undergoing some of its universal and most vital experiences. After an introduction in which the trumpeter's liquid prelude persuades one to turn from the fretting world, and whose song expands the numbed and bonded spirit, we witness our typical human experiencing the transports of love, the perils and vicissitudes of war, the cankering perplexities and despairs that afflict the spirit in its moments of reaction, and finally the assured and confident joy that comes with the attainment of an ultimate poise and self-mastery. For the five connected sections into which the music, upon the authority of the composer, may be divided, analogies are to be found in Whitman's poem. Those portions of the poem which correspond to the successive mood pictures in the music may be indicated as follows. Only the opening lines of each section are quoted. 1. Mystery and Peace Hark! Some trumpeter, some strange musician, hovering unseen in air, vibrates capricious tunes tonight. I hear thee, trumpeter, listening, alert, I catch thy notes, now pouring, whirling like a tempest round me, now low, subdued, now in the distance lost. 2. Love Blow again, trumpeter, and for thy theme, take now the enclosing theme of all the solvent and the setting love that is pulse of all the sustenance and the pang three war or struggle blow again trumpeter conjure war's wild alarms swift to thy spell a shuddering hum like distant thunder rolls lo where the armed men hasten lo mid the clouds of dust the glint of bayonets four humiliation ho trumpeter Methinks I am myself the instrument thou playest. Thou meltest my heart, my brain. Thou movest, drawest, changest them at will. And now thy sullen notes send darkness through me. Thou takest away all cheering light, all hope. I see the enslaved, the overthrown, the hurt, the oppressed of the whole earth. 5. Joy now trumpeter for thy clothes, vouchsafe a higher strain than any yet. Sing to my soul, 
renew its languishing faith and hope rouse up my slow belief give me some vision of the future give me for once its prophecy and joy o glad exulting culminating song a vigor more than earth's is in thy notes in the poem this recording is in the public domain